Okay, so today I'm really happy to welcome on the Metaverse Show two brilliant co-founders of DressX, Daria Shapovalova and Natalia Modanova. Um, welcome on the show. Quick description of how we describe DressX. DressX is a meta closet of digital-only clothes, NFT fashion items, and AR looks. Um, it's a female-led, female-founded meta fashion company. Normally, we only have one founder on from co-founding teams, um, but because we have two brilliant um, female co-founders, we thought it important to get you both on. Um, so when it when it rains, it pours. Hello. Thank you. Uh, we are happy to be here. Everything about the metaverse and uh, digital fashion as a part of it. Always happy to share. And uh, yes, uh, DressX uh, is turning uh, three years uh, later this year, and that was an incredible journey. So far, uh, we are coming from the world of traditional fashion, where we both started in media, in journalism. Daria had a TV show about fashion, and I was an editor at the magazine. And then uh, the Fashion Week uh, in Ukraine was launched, uh, which uh, Daria co-founded. And uh, it was interesting that uh, first season was highlighting a lot of the local talents and giving the platform for the young designers to uh, shine, just like we do at DressX. We give an opportunity for young digital fashion designers uh, to shine and to launch their brand. And that was an exciting moment. Uh, and that's a fashion week that was covered uh, by um, style.com and all the international media. I was uh, at an executive position there and in 2014, where uh, when um, we uh, saw a lot of the uh, interest uh, toward the uh, fashion and designers in Ukraine and when the first war started and designers started losing their market, we understood it's a great moment uh, to actually open up global markets for them and to help them leverage from uh, building their brand names. And the showroom in Paris started, which we co-founded in 2014. And uh, that was an incredible journey where we learned a lot and where we saw how tech is a driving force for the industry and how tech is changing the fashion industry and how data and all the retailers who implemented tech solutions are uh, succeeding and how companies that not uh, are innovative uh, kind of uh, staying behind. And that uh, was the first time when we understood that definitely the future of fashion is with intersection with uh, kind of technology and started ideating on what can be built. And uh, Daria moved to San Francisco to do her M MBA uh, program. And uh, I was... Uh, spending more and more time in Paris. And uh, we decided to start and to launch uh, uh, from California. Uh, we all met up in uh, Los Angeles, where we are based now and where DressX is headquartered. Uh, and uh, we gave a, we gave an opportunity to wear fashion uh, on the images because the idea that we were coming from that there is too much clothing on the planet Earth uh, in a physical format and that we don't need to have all the items 
being produced in order to wear them uh, and share our picture in social media because there is a fascinating statistics comes from the Barclays Bank that 9% of the purchases of fashion happen for the sake of content creation and sharing the picture in social media. And we all know that fashion is definitely a visual language of how we communicate with each other. And just like uh, we were writing with a pen on a paper before and now we are texting each other from the devices, the same communication in a visual format can be kind of happening in fashion. And uh, DressX was launched with the first use case of changing your outfit for social media. And the next step and the next iteration was augmented reality. So changing your outfits in real time. That was when we launched our mobile apps, both on iOS and Android. And it's available right now. If you just type um, DressX and you can start wearing digital fashion with a, uh, with a click, with a tap. And of course, uh, the whole interest to the NFT space was uh, driving us to launch some of the items uh, on chain. And uh, the whole idea of metaverse was like taken off in the masses uh, and uh, Facebook renamed, renamed the company to Meta. And we were already working with Roblox back then because that's a place where a lot of kind of people start their journey creating their first avatars. And it's a whole new generation that consumes and discovers fashion differently. And of course, uh, launching uh, DressX in the Meta Avatar store was also a great highlight uh, for us and a milestone. And uh, we continue uh, kind of expanding uh, digital fashion and the opportunities to wear it and building this ecosystem for the brands to uh, launch uh, their line of digital fashion, but also for everyone to start their meta closet, their wardrobe of digital fashion and wear it. Great. Thanks for that, that background. Lots to uh, jump into there. So aside from a very successful fundraise with a very diverse kind of investor base, ranging from Warner Music to um, Red DAO. Red DAO being a, a very kind of native uh, Web three investment DAO, specifically focused on um, fashion in the metaverse. But you've also worked with a number of leading brands from Meta, Roblox, Snapchat, Google, um, Coca Cola, and Farfetch. Farfetch, obviously, a, a good partner of Outlier Ventures. Uh, and I want to kind of thank you in advance for uh, the mentorship that you provide to the programs that we win with Farfetch. Um, I know that it's very much appreciated um, by the founders that go on. You're very kind of highly, uh, highly regarded. Um, and if we look at the the kind of numbers of traction, so we're just under 3 million digital looks have been tried on in AR using your DressX app. Um, just under 1,800 NFTs have been collected by your community. And there are now near weekly digital-only collection drops on Roblox. Um, so, you know, people have different definitions of the metaverse. I think the fact that you are doing things both on-chain, through, through a native app, on-chain, and then also environments like Roblox, I guess you span any definition of the metaverse. How do you understand the metaverse uh, crossing those different environments? Do you treat them differently? Are they different customer segments? Daria, maybe uh, you can kind of build on that for us. 
Sure. Thank you so much for all the kind words about DressX and an intro that uh, gives uh, an understanding of uh, DressX as the company and as a product. And uh, so basically, yes, for us, the metaverse, like we definitely see the metaverse already happening on social media on uh, Instagram on a daily basis. We can create our avatar, we can dress our avatar with the clothing that you can purchase directly in Instagram, in Facebook, in all of the meta platforms. And that's exactly for us kind of the pre-metaverse. And uh, we as a company, because we started uh, two years and a half ago, like there will be three years soon, we understood that for us it's really important to provide the solution here and now, which means that we are ready to dress people where they are. And currently, they are in Web2 environment, uh, mostly. Obviously, there are some people that are already like high advanced and are in Web3 and we're in Web3 as well. But for us, the pre-metaverse, it's exactly where we communicate as our online selves uh, without using our likeness, but already being online. And that's exactly for what DressX uh, creates clothing already. So for us, like that's why we uh, started to build this notion of meta closet uh which means digital wardrobe for us really from the beginning of the company because we definitely saw this coming even that it was not that evident back then but also we refer to gaming in many ways just because like for people it's kind of uh, like uh straightforward that they can purchase their skins on the video games but now social media they became games on the, their own kind of the games we play on on a daily basis you know busting ourselves and our likeness and dressing ourselves in digital fashion. So Daria, that's a really interesting way of framing it. I think you said pre-metaverse. Maybe Natalia, uh, Natalia you, can, you can build on that. So as I said the, in the intro, you kindly advise mentors coming through our program who perhaps face the same dilemma. They might have an understanding of this emergent new paradigm, which is Web3, and yet their kind of customers, their clients' revenue, and ultimately traction is in kind of a pre-metaverse or a Web 2 or a Web 2.5. How do you recommend founders navigate that um, when you understand that there is this new paradigm coming that's Web 3, but your users today, your customers today are, are in, in Web 2? How do you communicate that vision to investors how do you plan uh, your kind of product roadmap? Thank you very much for the question. And really speaking of the pre-metaverse or like pre-Web3, we uh, can look at social media, for example. Uh, and this is what we consider being the proto-metaverse. <laughs> we, we can have a lot of terms for that. But basically, is the place where we communicate and uh, Really looking in the uh, looking into the past of how like internet was like spreading out, right? It doesn't happen overnight. It was a long term like onboarding of uh, people on different types of uh, kind of geographic uh, and uh, different locations and different edge ages and different demographics. And uh, the same is true for every new technology or every new solution. There is always an adoption curve that is going to be happening. And uh, in the end of the day, um, Technology is something that is facilitating certain processes or 
certain um, interactions that are happening and uh, really we can always remember that in the core of it is a user. So we have this kind of historical slide uh, of DressX where we have our user in the middle and then their wardrobe surrounding the person as the next layer before this person will go and communicate with other people in any different channel, whether it's a Web2 or Web3 channel. So we always have to remember that there is always a person, there is always a user, uh, there is always a human uh, in, in the center of whatever it has been built. And then there are just different ways of uh, uh, helping this human thrive and uh, exist and communicate and like succeed and how we can be helpful in this process using this or that technology, doing it on a Web 2 or Web 3, I think that's the most important to remember and how to look at it. Daria, we kind of had this introduction to, to both of you, your background by Natalia. Now, um, in in that description, it wasn't mentioned that there was a technical background for either of you. I don't know if that was, um, if th is that true or not? Is, is one of you kind of a, a more technical partner uh, and if not, how did you navigate entering in, you know, such a kind of technically complex space? We actually have third founding team member. Her name is Julie. Uh, she's also from Ukraine and she had a technical background. She used to be a business uh, developer for the company that was called Luxury that invented entire augmented reality technology that was sold to Snap for $150 million. And she was CEO at Snap Ukraine for some time. So... She then joined DressX after finishing that super successful story. It was the largest acquisition in Ukraine yeah. back then, 10 years ago. We're all very super grateful for that because it was such a push for all the Eastern European companies and the engineers because definitely Eastern European engineers is a very special power. So with Luxury, it became evident that they can be like a part of a larger uh, post-IPO company or like whatever, like a big, uh, huge uh, conglomerate. And so she had a technical background when she joined us. And it was myself and Natalia that started the company. She was founding team member. And then obviously we hired a CTO and all the engineers that we needed to hire to execute on our vision and technology. Very good. Okay. So that makes sense. So actually within the founding team, there was very much a kind of a technical founding partner in there. And then between the three of you, you can navigate the commercial and the technical. And actually, I want to get into a little bit later, the Ukraine generally as a talent pool and uh, whether you think um, what's uh, unfortunately ha happening within the region can be a catalyst um, for 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 the region, it's dyspora, especially with the kind of deep technical um, competencies that are within that region. Um, but maybe if we kind of come back to your kind of vision for the metaverse, I don't think that there's any fashion-related Web3 project that has the level of traction that you have, as I said, across that spectrum of, of, of the metaverse. It's kind of an incredible momentum. Um one of those partners um, is obviously Meta, and they did their kind of rollout on Instagram of NFTs. I don't know if there's any learnings there. Obviously, they were they were quite quick to go in um, to the space. I know the Web3 industry was very um, enthused by that, even though they might have some concerns about a Web2 player entering the space. Um, as far as I understand, uh, that was generally... Um, 
at least shelved. Um, is there any kind of learnings from how Web2 platforms can enter the space that, that can be recycled across your partnerships? So basically, whenever we worked with Metal on the NFT side, uh, because we always uh, only works on the avatar side, which is Web2. Uh, so it's hard to comment on something that we never did any partnership on, but our partnership within the avatar store is uh, becoming even more successful with every quarter. And there are 1 billion avatars now created in the meta ecosystem. We all understand that kind of NFT uh, site for a bigger post-APO companies is still questionable in terms of regulations and like SEC commission and etc. So hard to comment here on what are the plans for all the companies of that size into venturing into NFT. So yes, in our case, we can only comment on the web too. Yeah, that, 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 that makes sense. Obviously, we have kind of the hotly anticipated Apple glasses coming to market. I think that's, you know, people are expecting that, that any week now. At the same time, there's definitely a narrative in the media that the metaverse is somehow dead. Like the vision for the metaverse, at least in a Web3 context is somewhat stalled. And at the same time, you know, we have something like Apple Glasses coming along. Where do you think we are in, in, in that kind of hype cycle? Are you still seeing the framing of the metaverse um, being used by your clients? And do you think that um, Apple and, and Apple Glasses will kind of kickstart that that theme again, or do you think it, it may evolve in, in a different direction? Yes, I'm happy to start here. Really, it's uh, very important to see what exactly will be presented, if it will be. And uh, it's not only the matter of the device, but also the matter of the ecosystem around it. And uh, I think from all the um, experience uh, and, uh, again, like historical data, it's very evident that um, Apple ecosystems are usually very much kind of closed and controlled. Look at the Apple store, how it's all structured. Um, but also, on the other hand, is very kind of good products that are usable. That's why everyone is on Apple store. Um, so I think a lot uh, depends on how this uh, ecosystem uh, question will be tackled uh, and how it will be presented uh, to have an opportunity to build any kind of forecasts uh, on that. But also, I believe that even if the device is going to be incredible and amazing and the price will be super appealing to everyone it will still have it will still take some time to change the habit for every person we are on the smartphones for decades already we don't realize but it's been it's been over 10 years uh, and this uh, habit of scrolling and just interacting with this type of uh, screen is something that will stay still for a long time uh, even with all the new devices that are coming from Apple or like a Quest or AR glasses by Snap or anyone else um, so I think there will not be a huge change uh, overnight it will give a glimpse of this future that is coming but it will take for this future to come still whilst Apple's been a relatively closed ecosystem. Um, it has 
partially embraced NFTs, albeit within its kind of current economic paradigm, which makes it prohibitive uh, for some use cases, but presumably for kind of maybe more kind of high-end uh, digital couture, um, maybe maybe that might be affordable given the um, the, the fees that they uh, charge on transactions. The other area that I guess y- you have to be thinking about, presumably not just thinking about, but looking to uh, innovate in ahead of competition is around AI. AI is obviously a very hot topic at the moment, in particular generative AI and its impact on creative industries. I wonder how you see the impact of AI today um, and the creators that you enable, the whether it's a brand or, or an individual creator, um, whether it's something you think um, they can and should embrace um, or potentially it's going to be more disruptive. Yeah, we definitely, first of all, we started to use AI tools for internal uh, production a couple of months ago and it definitely simplified us a lot of processes within the company and obviously AI is uh, should be compared to a tool so it's like you uh, give uh, your team a new tool that uh, the team can work with it not necessarily says that it will like uh, completely uh, reduce the your team in size that just will be more enhanced right with uh, the opportunity to scale faster but we'll also find it amazing that uh, like the opportunity for more people to start their companies is because AI is there. It's, uh, for us, it's actually a great indication that the market will keep growing because now even that like we're always told that fa- digital fashion is already a huge democratization of fashion industry comparing to physical fashion industry where like the barrier of entry is really high. You need to have like a super special education. You need to be really committed. But if you want to be creative, like, it's a hard industry to enter. Digital fashion, you could just learn the tools, which is already difficult, but still there is a way. With AI, it's even simplifying because you can like uh, do the designs using artificial intelligence. And that's exactly how we started to work with our community. So we do have this uh, AI community challenge where people are creating designs uh, following the um, style that we choose or we did it together with Tommy Hilfiger when the community were creating the designs and Tommy Hilfiger himself chose the winners and uh, they uh, are in the AR in the app and actually our community AI design items in the app in AR are one of the top performing ones because people love it it's different it's cool like they created it so yeah, basically we see it only as a progress, definitely not as a magic box, but as a tool. You professionally use this tool. It's like saying like, you know, Photoshop will kill artists. No, Photoshop will only enhance artists. And AI is like Photoshop uh, in uh, like super, super massive scale, <laughs> which is super cool. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of our take on AI. And we also have our own AI technology, but it's not about the creation of the item. It's about superimposing the item in the picture which we're going to release as a P2P solution, we're all already using internally because that's the first and primary use case of DressX of how to dress your pictures with uh, digital fashion. So this is actually powered by AI and machine learning and uh, yes, uh, all the technology. Yeah, very exciting. And and something we're very much aligned to at Outlier in, in terms of thinking about how AI can lower the barrier to become a founder or creator. Increasingly, even the definition of a founder and a creator we think will blur. Just yesterday, the NVIDIA CEO 
um, said he, he he felt that now with AI, everyone was a developer. And I, I kind of feel the same way. I think now everybody has at least the potential to become a founder. Um, of course, some will always be better than others. And, and I think you're saying the same will be true for um, for creators. Um, maybe uh, an associated question to you, Natalia. Um, again, hot off the press. I literally read this 10 minutes ago. So it's unlikely that you, you, you might have seen it. Uh, and so totally understandable if you don't yet have a perspective. But um, uh, I, I believe it was the Minister of the Economy in Japan just announced that there would be no IP protection for generative AI. So effectively, if there's um, so any of the inputs that are collected, presumably um, on the open web, he, he may even extend that to the world of kind of brand IP. I don't know. Um, but at first take, he was saying that he felt that um, Japan would uh, Japan would effectively give people who were training AI models free license to use any and all IP. How do you, what's your gut instinct to that as um, creators, as facilitators of creators? Do, do you have a strong opinion about um, what's used to train AI models, ownership around derivatives of, of, of works maybe generated with AI? Uh, yes, I think it's a very good question. And in the new environment, there is no like definitive answer yet. However, I feel like if we want this tool to be helpful, uh, we want this tool to know what we want, what we know, right? Uh, that's why I think it's very smart. But then, how the output is used, or what kind of output is allowed to be given? So, let's say I'm a brand, and uh, um, AI is trained on my IP, but. If there is a way for me to control uh, the outcome and if my kind of branded elements are used in the outcome, maybe I would want to have a control over that and maybe limit that part. But I think for training purposes, the more data, the better. It's it's uh, it's been proven already for uh, with so many examples. Maybe finally, because I know we're coming up on on the half hour, and I respect your time. I know you're very very busy people. You've been mentors within uh, the Basecamp program. I don't know if there are any particular startups that you you've worked with that stood out for you that you'd like to talk about. Uh, yeah, it's it's actually yeah, it's obviously a, like provocative question I would say, but uh, for example, Jessie from Ultra Space, uh, she was a cool one uh, just because we also worked together and we had a project and I think we met just because of the program and then we launched them at DressX. So that's definitely a memorable partnership. And uh, yes, now they are part of like one more program that uh, we've suggested to them because we were part of that program as well. So definitely a lot of iterations that she as a, and her company will need to go through. But definitely like meeting the founders like her and she's like very into digital fashion, like taking it from the uh, vintage uh, point of view was amazing. But definitely all the founders like are super progressive, great to work with. Like it's really, as you've mentioned, it's hard to pick one. It's like, yeah, having a favorite child. So yes, it's almost impossible. But uh, I would, uh, yes, underline the partnership with Jessie just because we also kind of work with her after uh, 
meeting her at the Farfetch Accelerator. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say uh, from the kind of first uh, pitches, uh, I was intrigued by what Indiverse is building, uh, how they are doing it, Mintouche and the... Um, Metaverse, uh, that's the name of the company, apparently, as well. Um, and all the ideas, honestly, are bright. I, I remember I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Oh, yeah, of course, it makes so much sense. But the truth is that uh, it's important uh, how the idea is implemented. And uh, I think that's uh, that's something that will help founders to stand out even more and it's something that is visible in the dynamics so yeah, it's really incredible to also not just get to know and help build their like strategies or any kind of plans but also to watch the uh, development that's that's the most exciting great well look thanks so much for coming on sharing your background and, and insights um it's gonna be really exciting to watch how the company evolves um over the next couple of years uh, as i said you're very much kind of category defining um again we're very appreciative for the support you give the program for those startups that are listening to this founders creators that are listening to this um and uh, working on relevant adjacent projects, please do make sure you apply to the Basecamp program, outliveventures.io/basecamp. You get to meet brilliant founders like this, as well as work, of course, with Farfetch and many of um, their kind of clients and partners within the luxury industry. Again, thank you both for coming on and um, really looking forward to seeing what you do uh, over the course of this year. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.